This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Happy Friday to you. Welcome into the Black and Blue Report. Our podcast on this Friday comes to you from Memphis, Tennessee, where tonight the New Orleans Pelicans will wrap up their preseason schedule and take on the Memphis Grizzlies. Hi again, everybody. I'm Sean Kelly. Good to be with you. It is Friday the 13th. I hope that sits well with you. I'm not much into that stuff, but I know some people get a little weirded out by that, but it is Friday the 13th. More importantly for us, it's the start of a busy weekend for the Pelicans and the Saints. As we mentioned, the Pelicans are in action tonight. And, of course, the Saints are back home in the Mercedes-Benz Superdome on Sunday to take on the Detroit Lions. So I hope you've got your plans all set. We've got a good podcast for you today. Nice conversations for both Saints and Pelicans fans. On the Saints side, in here in just a moment, we're going to have an exclusive one-on-one with Saints wide receiver Willie Snead talking about his return to the football field this weekend after the uh, DWI suspension and then the hamstring injury. We're all excited to see Willie back in the slot for Drew Brees and the New Orleans Saints this weekend. In our second segment, we'll talk Pelicans. More importantly, we'll talk about the Pelicans' opponent tonight and that same opponent to start the regular season. Eric Hasseltine, the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, checks in for the first time this season, gives us a preview about the Grizzlies and a couple of thoughts about the uh, rugged Western Conference schedule that lies ahead for both teams. And then uh, later on in our podcast, we'll preview the entertainment on Sunday morning at Champion Square in front of the Saints and Lions game. Our good friend Bobby Herner from Bag of Donuts stops by. He'll talk about how things are going with the very popular New Orleans band that also sees time in different areas of the country and what they've got planned for Saints fans this Sunday morning again in Champion Square. All right, so with regards to Sunday's football game, here's a couple of notes for you. Number one, great to see that Adam Big Hill was promoted from the Saints practice squad. He'll be on the active roster, I'm assuming active, for the game on Sunday against the Lions. This, of course, uh, comes on the heels of the news about Alex Anzalone this week. And uh, also, we uh, saw Andrus Pete uh, listed on the injury report yesterday as limited, I think with a hip. Um, let's hope that he's ready to go. I'd love to see uh, that you know, offensive line now kind of intact, obviously minus Zach Streif, but with Teron Armstead back, hopefully, at left tackle, Pete at left guard, Unger at center, uh, Larry Warford, the former Lion, at right guard, and then at right tackle, Ryan Ramchek, where they had projected him, I think, all along, uh, and in a starting role uh, some at some point, maybe not right now with Zach Streif, uh, but because of Streif's injury, Ramchek, who's been so versatile and uh, very good here in his rookie season, might be at a very natural right tackle position for this Sunday's game. Matthew Stafford on the Detroit side appears to be okay. You know, we saw him banged up last week, but it appears he is okay. And, of course, we'll be keeping an eye on Golden Tate, who has hurt the Saints over the last three meetings, all of which have gone the Lions' way. I do think that Sunday's game is going to be very tight. And, man, would it be great to see the Saints get through another week with zero turnovers. Uh, They've already been in rarefied air through four with zero this would be important this week, especially against an opportunistic Lions team that has 11 takeaways. They're plus eight in the turnover margin coming into this ballgame and stand with a record of three and two. So, obviously, we'll have a preview for you on NewOrleansSaints.com. 
on Sunday morning with our own John DeShazer. Looking forward to a noon kickoff. Just frankly looking forward to having the Saints back home again in the Dome. Let's move forward to our first conversation today. And as I mentioned, this is kind of an exclusive one-on-one. I know that Willie Sneed talked with the media this week. We had a chance to sit down with him and dive a little deeper, I think, than what you may have seen on television or uh, heard on radio this week or even seen in print. So we're pleased to bring this to you. And, again, we're pleased to bring a, a really good guy back into the fold this week for the black and gold. So without further ado, here's our one-on-one black and blue report style with Saints wide receiver Willie Sneed. First of all, welcome back. You've, you've done a lot of talking to the media today, haven't you? Yeah, man, it's, it's been a whirlwind, but, you know, I knew it was coming, so it's all good. How did you prepare for this moment, this coming back into the fold, having to talk about what's been, I know, a very difficult time for you? Yeah, you know, it's just been, you know, preparing myself for the situation, you know, the questions that are going to be asked, and, you know, just letting people know that I've moved, moved on from the situation that happened. And, uh, you know, I'm in a good place now. I've dealt with it the best way I know how. And, uh, you know, I'm just ready to get back on the field and play some football. It's not easy for a young person to deal with either, A, something self-induced, I think that you'd admit, and, B, something that's out of your control in an injury. And here you had the two of them collide together. You know, did you, did you have a struggle with that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's definitely frustrating. Um, you know, I've been working so hard to get back and to get over this little bump in the road. But, you know, at the same time, you know, it, it's definitely testing me. And, it, you know, it's just a test that I have to pass. And I feel like right now I'm getting to where I need to be, back to where I, you know, was before. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's been a bumpy road, man. It's been a windy road. So, you know, we're getting there. And um, I'm encouraged about what's been going on this week so far. Willie, nobody can ever envision what they would be like in that situation. Did did you, was it anything like what you thought it would be? And how did you, as you said, learn from it? Yeah, um, you know, I was never prepared for that. But I think the way that I went about it, um, you know, just going directly to the Saints, letting them know what's going on. And, you know, I feel like I, I dealt with the situation, what, situation the best way I could have. Um, you know, I knew the suspension was coming or some kind of discipline, disciplinary action was coming. Um, and I just took it, you know. I knew it was self-induced. I did this to myself. And I just told, you know, everybody I'm ready to learn from it. I'm ready to move on from it. Knock these three games out and just be able to come back ready to go. Tell you what, after meeting your dad at training camp and visiting with him, I have a feeling he was a lot of help, huh? He was. Uh, he definitely guided me. He gave me guidance. My mother as well. Um, you know, I, I leaned on my family hard. You know, they were definitely somebody I could go to for support. And, you know, I have a strong faith base. So, you know, it's definitely something I was leaning on very hard. So, you know, it was a tough time, but, you know, we got through it, and we're here now. All right, let's talk football. How hard is it to jump back in after your team's played four games? Oh, and by the way, there's been a bye week. Is it realistic in any way to think that you can just jump in with them, or is there some ramping up that has to happen? There's definitely some ramping up that has to happen. There's definitely some time and things that have to get done. Uh, between me and Drew, and uh, the offense, you know, hasn't changed a bit. You know, I've been in the playbook, you know, studying the different weeks, you know, so I know what's going on. I think it's just getting back out there, getting in front of a defense and, you know, getting that game experience again, getting those reps every day. So once those reps increase, I feel like I'll be in the back, be back in the loop of things, and, uh, you know, I'll be back back out there with the team, as, you know, as the weeks go on. You got to observe kind of from the outside a little bit, so let's play analyst here. You be my analyst. Talk to me about the Saints offense the first two weeks and then what's changed in the most recent two weeks. You know, I just think it's getting over that little hurdle, you know, just everybody trying to play together, you know, for the first time. You know, Ted Ginn's, you know, fresh coming in. B. Cole's definitely getting more reps than he's used to. And Mike T is Mike T. You know, I think there wasn't 
a, as big of a threat, you know, with the other guys coming in. You know, the guy, guys are new. Ted's new. B. Cole's roles increased. So Mike T's more, more of the eyes-on type of guy. But I feel like those first two weeks, we're getting those kinks out. And the last last two weeks, you know, we've been hitting it. We've been able to run the ball. You know, guys are, you know, opening up the play action and guys are making plays. So, you know, I think I think the offense has been growing since week two. You know, I was really impressed with how they played in Carolina and, you know, in London with the defense playing shutout like they did. You know, it makes our offense, you know, work a little bit better. So I'm excited to be able to get in there and help where I can and, uh, you know, see where we, what we can do against this good Lions team. Is there a sense that, that you guys have turned the corner as a team? I think we're still turning that corner. Okay. I think once we get past these – these next three weeks, um, we got the Lions and the Packers. You know, we're going to really see what our team is made of on this little stretch. Um, I feel like we've done some great things, uh, some things to build on. But I know Coach is really hard on us this week about this Detroit Lions team. It's been a tough three three years against this team. And um, I know he's ready to win. I know I'm ready to win. Our, team, our guys are ready to win. So, you know, once we get over this, past this little, you know, swing, I think we'll be showing people what we're really about. You keep talking about this Lions team. I'll tell you what caught my eye earlier today is 11 takeaways. How are they getting that done? They got guys that are flying to the ball. You know, they play a lot of DBs out there, a lot of smart, savvy guys. Um, and, they're, you know, their scheme is really, you know, really tough. You know, you got to be locked in. You got to be able to run the ball on these guys because if they get you one-dimensional, then they their, their playmakers start making plays on the back end. So, you know, it's all about protecting the ball, uh, getting what you can and getting down, and, you know, just being being on the same page as Drew. So, we got to be able to run the ball, and we got to be able to make plays when we get it. Are you glad your returns in New Orleans and not on the road? Man, I'm ready to go, man. I, I definitely, man, I know I know the Dome's going to be rocking. You know, we've, we've had a great two weeks, and, uh, you know, my birthday's on the 17th. So, you know, I'll be ready to go. I'll be amped up. You know, it's, it's about that time. I'm feeling good. Happy birthday, and good luck. I appreciate it. All right, again, Saints and Lions, noon Sunday. Coverage on the New Orleans Saints Radio Network and the NFL on Fox as the TV side with Dan Helly calling play-by-play this week for Fox. He'll be paired up with Chris Spielman. We'll take a break. When we come back, Pelicans and Grizzlies, the voice of the Memphis Grizzlies, Eric Hasseltine after this. There are plenty of good reasons to attend the Sanderson Farms Championship. About 150,000 good reasons. Batson Children's Hospital, part of Children's of Mississippi, averages 150,000 patient visits a year. And each year, proceeds from the championship support these patients by donating to Friends of Children's Hospital. Last year, the championship raised over $1 million for Friends. So join us for the Sanderson Farms Championship, October 23rd through 29th at the Country Club of Jackson. Good reason for a great time. Fifty years ago, a groovy new golf gig first teed off in Mississippi. The tournament now known as the Sanderson Farms Championship. To celebrate, join us October 23rd through 29th at the Country Club of Jackson for first-class golf, waves of fun, and 100% natural Sanderson Farms chicken, all to raise money for Friends of Children's Hospital. Don't miss this 50th anniversary celebration. Visit SandersonFarmsChampionship.com for tickets today. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. All right, welcome back, Pelicans and Grizzlies. As we mentioned tonight, the preseason finale. I know for the Pelicans, I'm pretty sure for the Grizzlies too. And then the the two teams will see each other to kick off the regular season next Wednesday. And with that, we welcome back our good friend, the voice of the Grizzlies, Eric Hasseltine. Eric, good to talk to you again. Happy new season to you. 
Yeah, it's uh, right around the corner, and ironically enough, we'll be celebrating that new season uh, with you guys again on Wednesday. I, I, people are sitting there and they're saying, oh my gosh, who scheduled this? I, I don't think people realize that the preseason schedules right. are done long before the regular season schedules put together. And they're done by the teams. They're yes. not done by the league. It's themselves pick who they're going to partner up with, and, and they try to do it regionally, and you try to make it as easy a travel situation as possible. You know, For example, uh, basically I think the furthest in my career I've ever traveled for a preseason game uh, was – was to Miami and so generally it's either Orlando or Atlanta or you guys or Houston uh, maybe Dallas uh, occasionally I think we went up to St. Louis and played Chicago so nothing ever really much more than an hour hour and 15 flights so yeah they, they try to keep it as simple as possible and as you know with this year being shortened uh, a little bit and not having as many games um, I think yeah, it was really imperative to keep the games close. And I honestly think, Sean, that, that some of the coaches are, are caught a little off guard by this faster start and, and shorter preseason because, you know, those it's not it's not the players that have to worry about the preseason. They'll be ready to go. But coaches getting to see rotations and guys on the floor together, that that's pretty valuable. And when you cut it by, you know, three – games which most people were playing eight and then now you're dropping it down to five that's three games you lose you don't really want to uh play a ton of minutes in your final preseason game because you want to be ready for the regular season you don't want anybody to get hurt so you really shorten it to maybe you get two or three or four looks with your with your groups out there and i think it's caught some of these coaches a little bit off guard i agree i know it has for alvin gentry with them only playing four and then the rondo situation happened so They've been in a bit of a yeah. scramble, and, and so therefore, Eric, I'm kind of looking at tonight's game, and, and that yes, the schedule did kind of freakishly put these two teams together at the end of the preseason to start the regular season. Uh, do we really even see anything tonight against uh, the Grizzlies, Pelicans-Grizzlies, or, or is this going to be as vanilla as it gets? What's your take? Well, you know from covering the NFL that, that you don't really want to tip your hand, but I, I think you've been around the NBA long enough like I have to know there's not a lot of secrets in, in NBA basketball. You've got guys scouting and videotaping, and by the time you get on your flight for your next game, whether it be going from home to road or road to road, whatever it may be, you've got a DVD in your hands. Uh, if you play at home and you've got another home game before you leave the arena, coaches have a DVD of their next opponent. So it's not like you're going to pull any rabbits out of the hat, so to speak, unless you just completely change up the way you're doing things. So, I think we'll see a little bit, but, you know, David Fisdale's been the coach now. This is his second year, so the Pelican scout, I'm sure, understands what, what the Grizzlies do. And, you know, Alvin Gentry's been in New Orleans for a few years now, so I'm sure the Grizzly scouts have seen what he's done. So I think we'll see a little bit. I, I know for the Grizzlies, and like you said, with the situation with New Orleans and the Rajon Rondo situation with the injury, uh, the Grizzlies are dealing with that a little bit as well. Former Pelican Tyreek Evans made his debut Monday and then played again Wednesday night. Um, and, and looks like he needs to, to shake a little of the rust off. And the Grizzlies, quite honestly, Sean, have some decisions to make. They have uh, 19 guys uh, on their roster that are under a contract one way or the other, obviously two of them being the two-way deal uh, with our G League affiliate, which is going to play right down the road in North Mississippi, about a 15-minute drive from downtown Memphis. But you've got three guys essentially fighting – for one spot after that is, is the, the prevailing feeling with the emergence of Mario Chalmers coming on the roster on non-guaranteed money. 
but proving that he's he's capable of playing at an NBA level again and, and gives you a better situation of backup point guards. So you've got two young point guards in Wade Baldwin, who was a first-round draft pick in 2016, and Andrew Harrison, who was a second-round pick in 2015, and a young frontcourt player in Jarrell Martin out of LSU, who your fans are familiar with, that was a first-round pick in 2015, and two of them are going to go. Uh, and I, it's going to be, you know, one of those situations where you hate to say goodbye to a guy, but the numbers just are the numbers. And uh, it's going to be really interesting to me to see how those guys handle that situation as well. And I think that's the, the prevailing thought that that's what the Grizzlies' primary focus tonight will be is to get a look at those three guys and make a decision by Tuesday. It's interesting. It's a, it's a time crunch, that's for sure. And I think that each team, as you just mentioned in Memphis's situation, has a, their unique challenge in getting this wrapped up with their roster figured out. It sure, it sure seems like one thing's for sure, though. James Ennis has had a nice preseason for you, and, and I guess he's your starting small, small forward, isn't he, Eric? Well, that's a great question, too. I, he, he's started the last couple of games. He has looked very good in the last couple of games. He's been very confident with his three-point shot. He's made good decisions about when to shoot, when to go to the basket. He, he had a, a moment where he made a bad choice um, in the last game against Houston where he had a wide-open three and I guess felt like he had put uh, put Clint Capella in a in a bad situation, and Clint Capella quickly uh, changed his mind as he blocked the shot uh, very cleanly. Um, but, you know, James is a solid player, and the problem is for the Grizzlies, they've got a guy that they signed to a four-year, you know, $92 million contract in Chandler Parsons, whose body right now is not letting him, you know, take that stride forward. And, you know, the, it's three knee surgeries for Chandler in three years, and one on one knee and two on another. He did everything he could to slim down and, and, and take weight off, which takes pressure off your joints. But it doesn't change the fact that you've got to get your body back to trusting your initial movement. You've got to get your mind back to knowing that what you can do. And for Chandler, you can see it's a work in progress. And they want him and desperately need him to be productive. And the question is still out there of whether or not he can. And unfortunately, um, the preseason has not answered that question. If anything, it's given you maybe even a little bit more doubt. You know, in four preseason games, he hasn't made a three-point shot yet. And he hasn't looked confident catching and shooting he actually had a catch and shoot situation Wednesday night that was as fluid and as smooth as we'd seen anything happen now he didn't make the shot but it did look like he was more instinctive than reactionary if you get what I mean you you know in this league if you think about what you're about to do once you catch the ball it's too late you've got to know what you're going to do before you get the ball and you know all you need is proof positive that is watching the Houston Rockets and the way they play you know, they catch and they know they're chucking it and they know they're going to the basket and they know right away. When you think about it and, and guys that are coming off injuries have a tendency to think about the move they're about to make, it's too late. The guys in this league are too good. So uh, we're hoping that can come back for Chandler because it, it, really a lot of this season does hinge on his productivity. If he can be productive, the Grizzlies can be pretty good. If he's not and you're trying to get him productive, how many games do you spend trying to get him in a rhythm and, and in a West that's just overloaded with talent. You guys know with, you know, I, I estimate six, seven, maybe even eight teams fighting for those final four spots. You can't afford to drop too many games trying to get guys right. You, you've got to be on your, uh, 
on your toes from the word go. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it starts on Wednesday night. I mean, game one is as important as any when you uh, when you think about the West and as you just framed it up. Hey, uh, Eric, before I let you go, Tony Allen, obviously now with the Pelicans, the grindfather was such a big part of Memphis's success over the uh, last portion of their team's history. Uh, they're going to retire Tony's jersey. I, I think it's perfect. Um, your thoughts on that? Well, he, he deserves it. You know, and we've always said during this run that it's been a, just an incredible ride for seven years that, that eventually there'll be a statue of Mark Gasol, Mike Conley, Zach Randolph, and Tony Allen, and it should be all together, and they should be honored all in one night for that statue. But they've already made the decision that they'll they'll put Tony's jersey in the rafter, I'm sure, as, as when his playing career is done. I said the same about Zach Randolph. You know, he's the guy that coined the phrase, all heart, grit, and grind, and it came on a night uh, in Oklahoma City where no one really gave the Grizzlies a lot of chance to win. And Tony came out and just had a magnificent game and really changed the course of, of this team at that time. And, you know, not only his career, but also O.J. Mayo's career because O.J. was out and everybody felt like he was going to have the potential of being a superstar scorer in this league. And Lionel Hollins was trying to make that work. And, and Tony Allen came in and just was sensational and you realize not only you know could he defend anybody in the league at that time, but there were nights where he could give you really good scoring options because of his movement without the basketball. In his post-game interview, you know he just said we we just dug down and it was all heart, grit, and grind, and the and the phrase stuck, and it became a motto for the city. And Tony became as big a fan favorite as anyone. A local radio host here that also works on a television broadcast produced a T-shirt of it, and before you knew it. You were walking around Memphis, and, and there were thousands of Tony Allen T-shirts out there with his face on them, mm-hmm. and it made him feel at home. And I think that's one of the reasons why Tony was so uh, so fond of this city was the way they embraced him. They embraced Zach Randolph you know, a lot like New Orleans. Memphis is a tough city. It's got a lot of people that have had their struggles in, you know, in real life, and, and they can relate to guys that have fought to make their careers what they are and, and come from the, the tough streets of their hometown to uh, to make a success story. And so it's tough to say goodbye to Tony. Uh, he's an interesting cat. You'll have some very interesting times around him where uh, he's, he's to- in Tony Allen's little world. But I'll tell you what, when he's on your side, it, it's a nice feeling to have because we used to always say, hey, Tony Allen's crazy, but he's our kind of crazy and he's with us, so uh, we're good with it. I think the fans in New Orleans are going to love him. He's probably, you know, he's obviously not the same player he was eight, nine years ago, but nobody is. But he still knows how to uh, how to make life very difficult for perimeter players in this league. I'm just glad that the Pelicans don't have to play against him, at least for the foreseeable future. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we've I, already had a little you know, fun with him, but I just, I'm just glad that I don't have to worry about here he comes. I used to, I just, I remember games, Eric, against Memphis, and, it was scary enough when you had Zebo and, and Mark, you know, playing alongside each other and Conley would do his thing. But, man, it, when Tony would get on the floor, I'd be like, oh, boy, here he comes. You know, it was just one of those yep. things. Well, I, I'll tell you this. There's very few guys that I've seen James Harden uh, really just kind of woe the, the presence of, and Tony was one of them. Now, James is obviously a phenomenal scorer. But I, I, I vividly remember a couple of nights against the Rockets where James Harden is just basically looking to anybody to say, get this guy away from me, whether it be a referee, a security guard, anybody, because Tony just wouldn't let him breathe. And, and that was, you know, he's going to be one of those guys, Sean, that we tell young fans now that may won't 
may not remember what he did, you know, 10 years from now, just how good he was when someone asks you, who is this Tony Allen guy? You say, boy, he was one of the elite defenders of his time. And uh, if you didn't get a chance to see him play, you missed out because he, he made defense an art form and in a league that's right now so focused on scoring and shooting, um, you know, guys like that, we may not see the likes of them again uh, for a long time because his, his lack of a jump shot might be something that five years from now NBA general managers aren't willing to put a defender like that on the floor without the ability to stretch the floor. So um, he's a special guy, and uh, he's, he's always going to have a big part of Memphis basketball history here with the Grizzlies. And happy he's getting an opportunity to continue his career. Just uh, unfortunate for us, it happens to be on opening night uh, and tonight in the preseason. Uh, I know he'll get some love from the fans, though, to say the least. Yep, and I'll send him your best, uh, as you know I will. Please do. Yes. Yes, I will. Eric Hasseltine with us here on the Black and Blue Report. Eric, I'm just going to simply hit the pause button here, and we'll just call this chapter one of our season-long conversation. Uh, we'll have plenty more to talk about over, the, of course, the uh, four meetings between these two teams, and, and not to mention just a, a good check-in on, on the league and to get your opinion on some stuff, if you don't mind, as we progress through the next, oh, I don't know, 82 games or so. <laughs> Anytime, my friend. Here's How about this for an ironic twist of the schedule? We're talking about the gauntlet of the West. The Grizzlies played Wednesday night against Houston in the preseason. Yep. They will play all four regular seasons games against the Rockets before November 20th. They'll be done with them. So I didn't know what our schedule with you was like, but in their first 15 games, they play the Rockets four times. They've got the Warriors in there. So it's not going to be a, an easy start. And obviously kicking off with the Pelicans, uh, uh, there's no picnic for the Grizzlies, and the Pelicans have always given them fits. So, yeah, I look forward to it, my friend. We'll have a lot of a lot of chance to talk, and hopefully we're talking about both our teams making a playoff run. I would love that. And, by the way, that whole thing with playing four, Houston four times before is ridiculous. Why why do we have even have divisions if you're not going to play division teams down the stretch? That's, that's just stupid. I've don't, never – hey, listen, man, there's no rhyme or reason to that schedule. I, so I just get it and, and just plan my travel out accordingly. Oh, fair enough. All the best. I'll see you. I'll see you later on tonight, Eric. You got it, brother. Stay safe here in Memphis. Thank you, sir. Eric Hasseltine, voice of the Grizzlies. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top quality ingredients it would grow to become something that connected us. The neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe. Original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. If you don't want to miss out on any of the action, get connected with your New Orleans Pelicans 24-7, 365. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter for exclusive prizes and giveaways. Plus text with all the latest breaking news right on your phone with Pelicans mobile alerts. Visit pelicans.com for information on these great features. Plus sign up for Pelicans Insider with weekly updates from the Pelicans. Join the conversation today. Follow us on Twitter at Black Blue Report. Welcome back. I tell you what, if you haven't seen Bag of Donuts perform in recent years, that probably means you haven't been to one of the big festivals around the New Orleans and Southeast Louisiana region 
in the last couple of years. These guys are everywhere. They are certainly one of the favorites of most, and uh, they are our guests at Champion Square on Sunday, set to perform uh, once again. They're usually there about once a year. It's a perfect time of year to have them back, and certainly they're excited too. Bobby Herner, Bag of Donuts, here with us on the Black and Blue Report this Friday. Hey, before we get out of here on this Friday on the Black and Blue Report, as I promised you, we get the chance to talk to Bobby Herner, Bag of Donuts. The, uh, the super pop sounds of Bag of Donuts will be uh, ringing through Champion Square on Sunday, pregame for the Saints and Lions. <laughs> this is one I've had circled for a little bit. Bobby, welcome. I'm glad you're able to spend a couple minutes with us. Thank you, sir. Good morning, and uh, thank you for the opportunity. We're really looking forward to it. We've had the opportunity. We've been lucky um, in that we've been able to do one uh, one game a year at Champion Square for the Saints, I think pretty much since they won the Super Bowl back in 2010. So we've become, you know, pretty much uh, one of the regular uh, bands that they asked to play, and we've done a lot of Monday night games, and so we're really excited to be back for the Lions. Well, well, why do you think that is? It's because you guys are really, really good. <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I'll take that. And, you know, I think part of it for us, too, is, um, you know, they could really get all kind of entertainment you know, from all over the place. Um, all four members of the band are all born and raised in New Orleans. We all uh, have been, you know, Saints fans. Uh, in childhood, and we even had the opportunity when they won the Super Bowl in, in Miami. Um, the band played right outside of the stadium in Miami um, uh, the, the day of the Super Bowl. So um, we've kind of, you know, had a relationship with the Saints for a long time, and uh, so that tradition continues, which we're, you know, obviously pumped about. Absolutely, Bobby Herner here, bag of donuts. Bobby, are you in makeup right now? Are we, you know, uh, I'm actually, I'm actually not. Um, I'm, um, I'm doing my Clark Kent job right now. I always joke about. It. I have a master's degree in social work from, uh, uh, from Tulane, and um, so I've been working at a nursing home called Waldenburg Village as a social worker for 11 years. So I walk around with like, you know, my hair's in a ponytail. I have glasses on. So like, I literally am Clark Kent right now taking care of the old folks but when the weekend comes you know i shed all that you know from the costumes makeup and then it's time to rock and roll so i have my left and right brain jobs (laughs) (laughs) i I, and believe me i'm very appreciative of the work you're doing during the week i need we need more folks that are willing to do that work as we uh as we Uh, watch our generation grow yes uh hey bobby give me an idea what will be different on a sunday morning uh prior to a saints game with your set as opposed to maybe the way i'd see it one of the uh, six dozen festivals you guys play all year long. Well, I tell you what, you know what, Champion Square is a special thing that's unlike any other kind of music festival. First of all, you know, um, um, we're the only act that day, and you know, there's a lot of people uh, from the area, um, local area, that have seen us before. But you know, there's always some visitors from out of town um, that have never seen the band, and you know, as as folks may or may not know, uh, the band dresses in full costume and makeup. Um, we have a, a full, uh, we have a horn section, and we pretty much play music. It's all covers and it's stuff. Well, we have two originals that we do in there, but it's all stuff, um, you know, from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, right through modern radio now. And we, you know, a brand our style of music, super pop, which is which is any song that's popular from any genre from any time frame. Um, so we, we'd like to say that our that our stuff is good from uh, ages um, eight to eighty. And the best part about it is, you know, game day is always a special time. And, you know, since they built Champion Square, there's nothing like being out there with eight or 10,000 people prior to the game, you know, and with the Saints having just won, you know, the previous two games and had the bye week, I think that that excitement is coming back, you know, for them. And, um, you know, it's just that sea of black and gold, and there's really nothing like it. It's like Mardi Gras 
except it's a Saints game. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. that's a great way to put it. Hey, Bobby, yeah. I know this has been covered before. Refresh my memory. The name of the band comes from what? Okay, so there was a comedian uh, from the 1980s. His name was Dom Irera, spelled I-R-E-R-A. Anyway, uh, he's an Italian guy. He grew up in New York, and um, he did a routine about how all of his friends back in the old neighborhood in, you know, in Brooklyn or whatever, um, they all had nicknames. So, you know, you know, it was uh, uh, Nicky Potato Salad and Johnny Two Times and Jimmy the Woman and Joey Bag of Donuts. And so um, Bag of Donuts sort of uh, plucked up the guy's ears, and he went, hmm, that's an interesting name. And so they adopted it. And the thing that I like about it over the years is when you hear that name, you have no idea what the band is about. You know, you know, no idea what they look like, what they play. And so that mystery, I think, um, is satisfied when people come see the band and then they see the spectacle. Um, I think it kind of fits. Plus, there's a lot of tongue-in-cheek and there's, there's a lot of comedy in what we do as well. I mean, we're serious about, about music and I think the entertainment factor and the musicianship is all there. You know, but we're from New Orleans, you know. I mean, we're from a town of street parades. You know, there's a brass band on every street corner for all kind of events all the time. And so people really like to cut loose and have a good time. So I think that name kind of lends itself to, you know, what we're all about. We promote the fact um, that we're from New Orleans wherever we go. I mean, and we play, you know, we were just in Texas last weekend. We, you know, you know, pretty much play from Texas to Florida. And we just came back from Minnesota for a private event. So wherever we go, there's a banner of from New Orleans. That's always what we talk about. So I think the name Bag of Donuts kind of lends itself to the tongue-in-cheekness that is this city. Bobby, I agree. There's that old phrase, I got my best man on the job. I think we got our best guys on the job for this uh, event on Sunday. Good stuff. Oh, man. Thank yeah. you. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. We always love playing Champion Square. It's one of my favorite shows of the year. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it fills you with pride. Being from here, um, you know, to stand on that stage and look out and see all those smiling, dancing folks, you know, it, it's, uh, it's an honor. Oh, uh, it, it, well, it's our honor to be there with you on Sunday. What time are the sets again, Bobby? Um, we uh, start at 9 a.m. and we play till 11.30. And then, you know, of course, everybody follows in. The game starts at noon. Um, my nine-year-old son, Dublin, who dresses in full makeup and costume, <laughs> will also be with us uh, performing. Dublin sings four songs with us. So we're, you know, we're sort of passing it on to the next generation. And uh, um, Dublin seems to be a popular part of our show these days. As long as he's got straight A's in school, then uh, that's when we uh, let him get on stage and sing with us. Hey, uh, until he gets an agent, take advantage of this. Then, then yes, you're in trouble. Sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Herner, Bag of Donuts, Sunday, Champion Square. Uh, it's a big, big game, and uh, we've got just the guys on the job here to get us all ready. Bobby, thanks. Have a great time on Sunday. I think the weather's going to be perfect. Thank you, sir. Everybody, come on out to Champion Square. It's going to be a great morning. Get that Bloody Mary, the breakfast of champions, and head on down. And uh, come come, come, take a tail feather and then go watch the Saints destroy the Lions. Who that? All right, looking forward to that. It should be a great weekend. I hope that you'll enjoy. I know there's a lot of uh, stuff going on around the region all weekend long. Let's hope for good weather on everyone's part. Tonight, Pelicans and Grizzlies. Pre-game coverage at 6.30, 7 o'clock coverage on the Pelicans Radio Network. And for those of you in New Orleans, that's 99.5 WRNOFM. And then uh, the Pelicans will get set for the start of the regular season against the Grizzlies on Wednesday night. All right, that, happy Friday the 13th. One more time for you. I'm Sean Kelly. Go Saints, go Pelicans. Everybody have a great weekend.